Today's message, I actually gave it a title, and it's marriage. It's a God thing. Okay, guys? Um, honestly, honestly, if you've been here for any amount of time, if you've been here for a while, you've probably heard at least three or four marriage messages in your, in your life here at Calvary Chapel Almani. So as I was preparing for this, um, I thought, man, that's just so not out of the ordinary, right? But the thing is that the ordinary things are what help us live a blessed life in Christ. Amen. We need to know how things are established. And uh, besides, my wife and I just celebrated our 38th wedding anniversary this past Friday. I was hoping that would be the response. I didn't have to delay or anything. That's so good. So as I studied, the Lord said, Mijo, why complicate things? Teach on what you're living right now, right? And as it is, I need help. So why go somewhere else while I'm walking in this now, right? The Lord's good. 38 years. Um, pray for her. She went to a dentist on yesterday, had a root canal, had a bone grafted in, so she's in quite a bit of pain. Um, my shorty is, has been a blessing to me. Um, it's unusual. The day I met her, I gave thanks to the Lord because I knew the Lord had provided her. And that's part of the reason we, we're, we're speaking to this today. We need to know that the Lord is the one that provides our spouse, provides the ones we are to love the rest of our lives. So I just want to honor God and teach his word. So what, what I want to share today, it's not an exhaustive study. It's not point by point on marriage because we'd need a, a week worth of marriage lessons or premarital counseling to, to do that. But I just want to do a, more of a comprehensive general study and, then, and so that you guys would know. First of all, first point is that God established marriage. He instituted. Secondly, the son affirmed it. He confirmed it. He came back and he reaffirmed it to the people of Israel. And thirdly, the Holy Spirit is the one that enables us, strengthens us, facilitates us to live a married life. You guys understand that? So three, three prongs. It's established by the Father. He instituted it, God himself. Jesus reaffirms it, and the Holy Spirit establishes in our hearts how we should live. Amen? Before we get into the, the subject matter, into the meat and potatoes part of it, um, I just wanted to share a few quotes on what love is. Okay, guys? And it's, I found them interesting. I found them interesting. First of all, if you guys want to open to Proverbs 30, verses 18 to 19. Keep in mind who it is that wrote this. The wisest of the wise, Correct? Solomon, yet he was stumped. He didn't know what to make of certain things. Proverbs 30, verses 18 to 19. Are we there? Amen? Amen. Amen. How many of you guys miss your husbands? 
your brothers. Amen? They're having a good time. Don't miss them too much. I've done a few of those, and they're, they're quite the blessing. Proverbs 30, verses 18 to 19, it says, There are three things that amaze me. This is Solomon speaking, okay, guys? There are three things that amaze me. No, four things I don't understand. How an eagle glides through the sky. He couldn't get that. He couldn't get that the Lord had engineered an eagle in a certain way that he would glide along the air currents, that he would dive at times and he would flap his wing at other times. He just couldn't understand it. And honestly speaking, if we go to science and physics, you still can't understand it. As men, as, as the world goes, we had to imitate the bird, right, to be able to fly. We couldn't come up on it with it on our own. Secondly, he says, how a snake slithers on a rock. What is so amazing about that? Well, think about it. A legless, armless, toeless animal that can move at a great rate along the soil, along the dirt, along a rock, and can even climb trees. It's an amazing thing. Think about it. Think about it. I mean, if you put a rubber snake on, on the ground and you try to push it, you're not going to get very far. But the Lord has endowed it with the ability to do that. Think of how a ship navigates the ocean. Okay? How the ship navigates the ocean. The largest of, of cruisers, of passenger ships that exist in the world, is but a speck in the middle of the ocean. Yet that small rudder will guide it to wherever it needs to go. That's an amazing thing. The last thing that just baffled and amazed Solomon was this, how a man loves a woman. That's an amazing thing. I think it's the most beautiful of things. We are so different and yet so alike. We're made to fit together physically, spiritually, and emotionally. But Solomon, with all his wives and concubines, he couldn't figure it out. Yet the Lord has given those who have been married to one wife for 38 years the ability to somewhat grasp it. To somewhat grasp it. Okay, guys? I've got a few quotes here that I, that I, I thought were interesting. Who the people were that quoted them were quite interesting also. As far as love goes, love has nothing to do with what you are expecting to get, only with what you are expecting to give, which is everything. Catherine Hepburn wrote that. You guys, I don't, Dick's as old as me. He, he remembers Catherine Hepburn. I don't know if all of you do. Amazing actress, classy actress, okay? That's amazing, Right? Love has nothing to do with what you are expecting to get, only with what you are expecting to give. That's true love, what you want to give, which is everything. I like this one. Okay, Falling in love is not at all the most stupid thing that people do. But gravitation cannot be held responsible for it. Albert Einstein. You didn't know he was a romantic, did you? That's, let's repeat that. Listen to it and concentrate on it. Falling in love is not at all the most stupid thing that people do, 
but gravitation cannot be held responsible for it. That kind of touches my frame of thought. We always say falling in love. Falling in love. And that kind of reflects my train of thought because before you get, dive into this thing called marriage, this institution, this holy of holies, we need to understand that it's not about falling in love. Okay, guys? It's not about falling in love. That's not the key. You see, in marriage, it's not the falling in love that counts because, excuse me for being candid, any fool can fall in love and just as easily fall out of love. You know what we, do, we need to do in marriage? We need to decide to love. Do we know that? We need to decide to love. Even when it doesn't feel right, even when it doesn't feel good, we decide to love. Okay? Because in marriage, above every other relationship, we need to decide to love, no matter the circumstances. Because we come, we conquer, we come to the altar before that pastor, before that minister, and we get married. That's only the beginning, guys. That's the initiation. We just get started. You haven't conquered. You haven't won at that point. Because you need to decide to love. That's the kind of love we need for marriage. We need to put that other person first. We have to have a selfless love, a sacrificial love. In short, that word that we've all heard here, we need to have agape love. It's not about the romance. That initiates, that sets a spark. But what keeps it going? Our decision to love. We need to have God's love. And honestly, guys, by no other means can we even fathom having a, a successful marriage. And by successful, I don't think we can really say a perfect marriage, but a successful marriage. A perfect marriage is one that has the perfect attitude, striving to go forward, striving to love, no matter what the circumstances are. We need to decide to love. Okay, guys? We need to make an effort. Okay, honey, I've married you. Right now, I'm telling you, and this is something we both said to each other. I said, you know what, honey? Right now, I'm going to love you no matter what. When you get older, when you get pudgy, when your hair gets gray, okay, I'm going to love you anyway. And I expect the same thing from you when I'm sitting there in my boxers on my easy chair with my belly hanging out, balding, I'm still the same person on the inside. Can you decide to love me even then, when I'm not so fun, when I'm not so happy? We need to decide to love, guys. We need to have that conscious decision. Okay, guys? That's what's going to sustain us, doing God's will, understanding that to love each other is a commandment, above all in marriage. Okay? And we need to decide in our lives that we're not going to live in a manner that denies the presence of Christ in our lives. I mean, honestly, guys, those fluttering butterflies in your tummy that you felt when you saw that beautiful girl who had hair down to her knees and that perfect little doll figure, that flo those fluttering butterflies, 
once in a while they tend to fade, guys. Same thing for you guys. When you, when you see your, your knight in shining armor and his armor's kind of tarnished and ain't that shiny no more, what are you going to do? You're going to say, oh, I'm falling out of love. No. We need to make that decision prior to all of that, prior to getting to the altar. Because we're only confirming before people and God what we already know in our hearts. That moment at the altar doesn't make you marry more or make you love more. It's a commitment that you're doing before God and the people. It's a signature. Okay? So just, just to get your guys' minds set where we should be at. Okay? But the... Um, mission of anyone who is speaking God's word is to get the Lord's mindset into our heart. Not our own heart mindset, because we, we mess up. We mess up. We certainly do. We make decisions um, based on pride, based on our own wisdom, which is so lacking sometimes. But we need to go back to the beginning and find out, first of all, that it was instituted by the Father. Okay, open up your Bibles, guys, to Genesis 2, verses 18 to 24. If you find it, give me a good amen. I can tell you guys were never Pentecostal. <laughs> we would have been dancing by now. The Lord's good, guys. Genesis 2, verses 18 to 24. The Lord our Father institutes marriage. Did you find it? Okay, I'm going to go ahead and read it. You follow along. And the Lord God said, It is not good. That man should be alone. It is not what? It's not good. The key word being not, right? I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all the cattle to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. What does that tell you about Adam? Smart guy. Intelligent man. Full of wisdom from the start. Endowed by the Lord. But there's one thing as men we just don't get. And that's women. Honestly. For all the wisdom he had, the guy made some big mistakes, right? But back to the passage, guys. It says, So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the year, and to every beast of the field. But, that's a big three-letter word, for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. I could just imagine. I'm kind of injecting here. And it's not in the word. I could just imagine Adam walking around. Oh, Father, uh, Lord, what happened? I, I didn't find the one that would be good for me. Does God know best? Father knows best, doesn't he? He says, oh, mijo, mijo, calm down. 
Nothing surprises the Lord. He had a plan in mind. Okay, guys? He had a plan in mind. He says, come here. Shh, mimis. Go to sleep. Go to sleep. Right? Don't get so excited, Adam. And the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And the Lord took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into woman. I love that word. I've studied it in the Hebrew. And the word made is actually he fashioned. You know what, you guys know what it is to fashion something? To take pride, to take time, to polish it, to form it, to make it special. That's why I honestly believe, not that I want to make points with the ladies, but I honestly believe that the woman was the crowning glory of all creation. She was the last item. She was the last person, right? And the Lord took special interest in the woman and made her beautiful. You guys are all of all different shapes and sizes and attitudes, but you're all beautiful, just so you know. For the Lord, you're beautiful. He took special care to make you. And this is really where I see God's vested interest Okay, in our happiness as men, in our happiness as, as his children, as, as his kids. He brought her to the man. Okay? He brought her. That's what you have to think about as a man and as a woman. Did the Lord bring this one to me? Or did I choose? We often think we choose. But if you're a man and woman of God, please pray. After you make that choice, Lord, is this one for me? Then you'll know the Lord brought her to you. Like I said, I honestly, I was singing, and I don't sing. After I, I dated my wife, I had dinner with her at her house. I could still tell you what she was wearing. She was wearing a white skirt. She was wearing a red blouse, and she had hibiscus flower in her hair. I mean, she nailed it. She killed me. Okay. So on the way home, I, I started singing. And I, I don't sing. <laughs> God knows, you guys know, I don't sing. I praise, but my voice isn't there. But I was so jazzed. I said, Lord, really? This is the one? And honestly, I knew she was the one. After two weeks of knowing her, I said, I'm going to marry you. She obviously laughed at me. But a year later, I asked for her hand in marriage. And six months later, I got married. We got married. You know it when it's the Lord's. Just be sure of that. Just be sure of that and there will be no second thoughts. That's what's so amazing. That God took such a vested interest in us as his kids, as his men, as his women. And he designed you perfectly for your spouse. Whether you're a man or a woman. But that's where something comes in. Sometimes we sit there and go, oh, no, I married the wrong one. Okay. Time to do something. Time to decide to love. Decide to love. Take the steps necessary to love in God's way. Because that's a love that's above all other loves. It's a different level. It's not puppy love. It's not a crush. It's not infatuation. It's true love. You guys... Brother, you might not know my husband. You might not know my wife. Well, you do. Now get to it. Love her. 
The Lord commands it. But it doesn't feel, I'm sorry if it doesn't feel right. If you decide to love, the Lord will bless you. He'll back up your decision to obey. And you will love that person. Not just fall in love, but decide to love. Okay, guys? Check this out. Check out Adam's response. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of me. Yeah, baby. That's what he was saying. Okay? Lord, what was I thinking? What was I thinking? Amazing, the Lord knows exactly what we need. Exactly what we can desire. And he supplies. Here are the parameters after that. Verse 24, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Just a little word on that. That's a real important parameter. Okay? It says, the man shall leave his father and mother. That includes the woman, guys. It doesn't mean you're going to spend all your time with mama and daddy's got to follow you there. Daddy being your husband. Okay? It's a new life, a new family. Do we stop loving our parents and our siblings? No. But I'm here to tell you, they become your extended family. And I don't say that in a derogatory sense. They just become second priority. Now it's your wife. Now it's your husband. Now it's your kids. Now it's your family and your home. That's a big impediment for mo- most people to be happy. They, they still want to be... It's really sad when you see men that want to be tied to mama's apron strings. Right? That's really sad. But it's just as bad on the other side where... The wife wants to do everything for mom and dad, but she forgets her husband. Have we understood what marriage is? It's a new creation. It's a new beginning. It's a new family. Okay, guys? Those are the parameters. You know, we never catch God by surprise. Okay? Not at all. Not at all. You think he was surprised when Adam came and said, I can't find anybody. I mean, don't get me wrong, Lord. Those animals are really cool. Especially that one big cat with the orange and black stripes. Oh, my favorite. I love tigers. But he's not going to be my wife. The Lord knows. He wasn't caught by surprise, guys. You know what he, why he did all this? To awaken in Adam's heart a desire for someone. Not something. Someone similar to him but different, right? I believe several years ago, during one of the first Cambodia trips, the guys came back wearing these T-shirts that said, same, same, but different. You guys understand what that means? We are same, same, but different. And the different part is what unites us so well, right? We fit together. So he, he wanted to awaken that desire in him. And we need to understand, guys, that every good gift is from above. Every good gift. If you have a beautiful 
loving wife. Thank God that's from the Lord. She's from the Lord. Okay? It's funny because God didn't say, oops, I messed this up. Right? He didn't scratch his head and say, oh, man, what can I possibly do to fix this? He already had a plan, and he always does. Okay, guys? What we need to do is concentrate on this also. God gives us choices. And I believe the choices that he gives us are designed to help us see what is for our best interest. Whether we understand it or not, we have to see what's for our own best interest. Not selfishly, but logically, spiritually, whether we understand it or not. And more importantly, we need to see his will in our choices. Okay, guys? He gave Adam choices. He gave him the opportunity to see who suited him best. So having said that, don't marry the first girl you meet unless you've consulted with God. Okay? Get to know her. Get to know her. Okay, guys? I'm I'm saying this as a person who decided within two weeks who I was going to marry, right? But... That's besides the point. It's not always like that. Not usually like that. So he gave him choices. He wanted him to decide. He wanted him to think. He wanted to see what suited his needs. And the Lord knows our hearts. He brought the perfect woman to, to Adam. Okay? He wanted Adam to see beyond the vagueness of his own understanding. See, in, in our own understanding, the picture's not always clear. So what does it take? To see the picture clearly, we need to be in communion with the Lord. We need to be talking to the Lord. We need to be thinking about what his will is for my life. Um, as men, probably as women too, we, we're, we're fooled by our eyes. We believe that what we see is what we want. I told, I've told all my kids from the time... They were old enough to understand these things about romance and love. Beauty is only skin deep. And honestly, beautiful people on the outside are a dime a dozen. Okay? You can find beautiful people walking on the street. They're a distraction. But we need to see if that outside and the inside match. Okay? As grown men, we need to know that. Amen? It's not what they look like. It's what they think like. It's how they feel. It's what their, their hearts are. Do they love the Lord? Okay? So he wanted to get him, get him beyond his own vagueness, his own unclarities. Is that a word, unclarities? <laughs> God wanted him to understand that not only as his creator, but as his father, he had a vested interest you guys know what that means? He had tremendous interest in making Adam a happy, content man. Not just a survivor, but a thriver. Okay, guys? That, to me, blows my mind that God of the universe, who created all things, the author of all life, the one that sustains everything, he's got a vested interest in Peter, in Dick, in Margie, in me. A vested interest. An interest. It's like, when you, when you think of your kids, you meet a young lady, you meet a young man, and you say, wow, that's the one I want for them. We, we fail at it, but the Lord is great at it because he's designed them for us. So he takes that interest. He was so interested in making uh, Adam happy that he brought him his girl. 
And that's what he does. That's what he does. So not just your creator, not just your king, but also your father with that interest. You know, some of us think that, that God is just here to, to, what's the word, lord it over on us. And in all reality, he does lord it over on us. But at the same time, can we remember what Jesus taught? That we shouldn't do that. We should be able to serve. And God, in his compassion and in his love, he served his son. In the same manner that we serve our own kids. We want the best for them. Okay? So he's not strict in that sense. He's not regimented. Okay? Although he does want us to know and follow his will, within that will is always a desire to live on us and to bless us. Okay? In Jeremiah 29, 11, it says as follows, and I always hesitate to use this, this verse because the Health, Wealth, and Prosperity gang kind of took dominion over this verse and used it in a way that shouldn't have been used, but this is what the Lord says to a people, Israel, who were captive in Babylonia, who had been sent there and captured because of their sin, because of their idolatry. In Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Apply that spiritually to your life. Apply that practically, but not in a selfish way, not in a name it, and claim it, not in a blab it and grab it type attitude, but knowing that he always has the best for you. You might be going through a horrible time right now, but the Lord knows what's best for us. He was speaking to a people who were held captive. They were slaves, yet he had that sentiment for them. Okay, guys? So we need to seek his understanding and put him above all things in all we do. Proverbs 3, so familiar, verses 5 to 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. That is so applicable in marriage. Above all things, consult with him. Amen? So the Lord God established it. Okay, guys? Point number two. The Son, meaning Jesus, confirmed it. Let's go to Matthew 19. Verses 3 through 6. Thank you, Jesus. Some people get slightly confused and say, well, Jesus never said anything about marriage. You better believe he did. He put some parameters around it, too. And he added to it. Does he have authority to do that? Yes, he does. He's God. Verses 3 through 6, it says as follows. The Pharisees also came to him, testing him and saying to him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? Why do you guys think they were asking this? 
because they were committing this. They were doing this. They were partaking of this, right? And it, it's a God. If if we read, I believe it's chapter four of Malachi, we know that God hates divorce. It's not in His vocabulary, and it shouldn't be in ours. Okay. There is no such thing as an irreconcilable difference. Adultery, yes, but even that, even that can be healed in Jesus. Amen? So Jesus answered them, he says, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? You know, he was biting his tongue when he said, Have you not read? Because he knew. Pharisees knew the scriptures inside and out. And they had read. I believe it's by the ages of by the age of thirty that they needed to basically be able to recite the Pentateuch or the books of the law by memory. So they knew, especially since they were the re- religious elite. But that's part of the problem. You get to be part of the religious elite, and you forget to obey God's grace and commands, and you start adding on your own desires. Okay, And he answered, he answered them and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. What's he doing? He's quoting Genesis. He's affirming it. He's confirming it. That what God instituted from the beginning is now and will always be. Okay? So then, in verse 6, they are no longer two but one flesh. This is where he adds his. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. His godly authority to affirm, establish, and reestablish and clear up in their heads that man does not have the right to disallow what God has already commanded. Man does not have the right. Society thinks they can, they can add their, um, their own twist on marriage and divorce. Where, where do we get off as society? Would you love to have someone come into your house and have them tell you how to raise your own kids? That's a bad scene. What do you think God thinks when, when people, lawyers, people who, who practice religion and practice their own agenda, try to, what they try to do to marriage, what do you think he thinks? He just laughs. He just laughs and he says, poor children, come back to the basics. I established it. My son is confirming it. Okay, guys? I love the fact that it's Jesus himself who re- he reaffirms in their religious minds what marriage is all about. Okay, they're looking for an escape clause, right? They're testing him. They're saying, oh, he'll give us an okay on this one. No. J- Jesus just responded with what they already knew, the simple and beautiful truth about marriage. Okay? Have you not read? Because, of course, they had. Okay? So he re-engraves he restates the truth and puts it back into their hearts. Okay? 
And he tells them what was big, true from the beginning is true still and will always be true. Marriage is a what? A monogamous relationship between one man and one woman, only one at a time, okay? Till death do them part. So man has no say in the situation, okay? You can't play God with th those things that are sacred, okay? What was established from the beginning is from the beginning, okay? What is worth saying back then is worth repeating now by Jesus. It's holy, okay? Jesus and his authority, he restates the fact, and he adds that no man shall separate it. Okay, no man shall separate what God has joined together. Okay, that's the, the son confirming and reaffirming. The third point, marriage is empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's facilitated. We're enabled to live in that which seems impossible. There are several of us here that are married, and I'm sure that at one point or another in our lives, it just seemed so impossible. Lord, am I going to get through this? Am I going to make it? And if he comes home late one more time, that's it. If she spouts off at me one more time, Father, that's it. Lord, this man, I don't understand him. I can't live with him. Father, this woman, she's what used to be sugar and spice and everything nice is kind of ornery now, Father. She, oh my Lord. Have you guys ever thought that way? Do you think I have? No. We all have. We all have. And we have to come to the point we have to make a 360 or a 180 and figure out that in our own strength, that's what's going to happen. The smallest of things will be a turbulence in our marriage. Um, I'm sure my wife wouldn't mind me sharing this, but in our first five years of marriage, oh man, we were at each other all the time. The smallest of things would cause us to erupt. Does it still happen? Yes, but thankfully at a less frequent pace. Now instead of three times a day, it's one. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, guys. But you know why it was? I'm going to make another confession, guys. We were unequally yoked. She was Christian, and she married me. I was not. Sure, I had my religion. I had my morality, but I didn't have the Spirit of God in me. That fifth year of marriage, by her example, by her steadfastness, and not willing to bend, and not willing to change who she was because of who I was, the Lord touched my heart. And in 1988, I came to the Lord. I, I, I asked for forgiveness. I was born again. I regretted my past life. I was 27 years old when I finally came to the Lord. And I thought, 
Man, that was a lot of wasted energy. We need to be with God, in God, and let him reside in us, always, always. So marriage is empowered and facilitated and enables us to live marriage. Let's go to uh, Ephesians, guys, chapter 5. We're going to read verses 17 through 21. Ephesians five seventeen to 21. You got it? Amen. Thank you, Brother Trace. We're there. It says as follows. Therefore, Ephesians 5, verses 17 to 21, it says, Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Is that key? We need to understand what his will is. We have to go beyond our own little thought process and seek his always. Consult with him. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And 18 Verse 18, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. That's where the Lord enables us. That's where we need to ask for that filling of the Holy Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine. Literally, don't get drunk, right? Don't be satiated by that. Instead of Doing that, be filled with God's Spirit each and every day. At the moment of our new birth, we're indwelled by the Holy Spirit. But we need to keep asking for the filling of the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. On a daily basis. Okay, guys? And that will be what what will strengthen us. Okay? Instead of trying to be satiated, not only by wine, but by things of the world. Okay? We're, we're often going to think that having that new house, that'll fix the marriage, right? That'll fix the marriage. Having two or three bouncing babies, that'll, that'll fix the marriage, right? Being able to take that cruise to Alaska, to Hawaii, to the Caribbean, that's going to be so blessed. It's going to so bless my marriage. Those are all things that we can take part of and enjoy. But if we're basing our happiness on the exterior things, we're not going to be content. We're not going to be content. We need to sink into the Word. We need to ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit and do the things that God has chosen for us. Okay? We've got to dwell in his thought, in, on His thoughts. We've got to follow His commandments. You know what happens when you do? I don't want to exaggerate, so don't take this um, to heart. But there might be a time 
where all you have is each other. All you have is a loaf of bread on the, in the cupboard and a gallon of milk in the fridge. That's just you and your spouse minus everything else. Okay? But what helps us find contentment in a situation like that? Knowing that this is part of God's plan. Knowing that God has something more for us. Knowing that even if that's all he gave us, he's promised eternity. And now he's given me someone to share my life with here on earth. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't desire the things so much of the world. They can be a blessing. They can be nice. But that's not what makes a marriage. I've met too many couples that say, oh, yeah, we're going to Europe this summer, thinking that Europe will cure the problems they have in marriage. I know plenty of people who have lots of money. They could buy this church from us if they wanted. Yet they're struggling in their marital status with their wives. Where's our sights? Are we allowing the Holy Spirit to strengthen us, to enable us to live a life that will make us have a successful marriage? Do not get drunk with wine. It's dissipation. It's waste. Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. That means being the things of the Lord constantly. Constantly. Okay, guys? Not religiously, but constantly. May it be second nature to you. May you live in it. Okay? Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Okay, guys, you know... If you've read the Bible, you know that the following verses, verses 22 to 23, it's one of the most recognized and most amazing expositories on the responsibilities of a wife and her husband to each other. That's not where I'm going with this this, this time because it would take, honestly, a, a week of marital sessions to be able to explain it that wasn't my intention i don't think it was the lord's intention but we need to know three things god established marriage the son confirmed it and the holy spirit is alongside and indwelling us to help us live a marriage okay guys so remember god marriage is a god thing established by the father reaffirmed by the son and we're empowered to live it by the holy spirit We should seek the things that are, that are wise, not foolish. Seek God's desires. We shouldn't waste our lives on things that satisfy only while we're here on earth. We need to saturate ourselves with God's things, with his spirit, with his love. Okay, guys? In Galatians 5.22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such there is no law. Is this present in our marriage? Do we have the fruits of the Spirit? Are we enabled by the Holy Spirit to live a life that enables us to have a good marriage? Do we have God's love? Do we have joy? That means 
a contentment beyond our circumstance. Okay? Do we have the peace of God and the peace with God? Long-suffering, are we patient? Are we kind to each other? Is there goodness present in everything we do? Are we faithful to each other and to God? Gentle and self-control. Against such, there is no law. I hope that at least um, we have life long enough on this earth to, to start practicing the things that Lord has bestowed upon us that give us that successful marriage. That we would be better husbands and better wives. Okay? Think about your spouse first. Okay? Think about how the Lord is the one who has established everything. Amen?